You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post game podcast. All right, here we go. We do a podcast for you on this glorious Tuesday. Al is out getting a colonoscopy. So sitting with me is his name, Eddie Scazzari. What's up, Eddie? Hello, podcast people. So I got three things for you today. One sports related, two or not. Okay. Um, we'll do the sports one first and get that out of the way. So last night uh, after the Bills or during the Bills game, I don't know, we had um, another one of these brawl type of situations where someone threw a beer at someone and it escalated to a point where it looks the photos are insane online. Once again, humans acting like animals. And also, there was Greg Schiano had a had a press conference yesterday, and I didn't know about it literally until 20 minutes before we recorded this. So I, otherwise, I would have played it this morning to where he was talking about the criticism the team is getting after they lost at Iowa on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're now 6-4. and four. Um, they got shut out, but it was a 6 nothing game going into the fourth quarter. Their defense was playing great. And his point was, you know, we at Rutgers have to do it differently than some of the bigger programs are. You know, he made a point how college football is now free agency. Then he was like, excuse me, I forgot NIL. And he's like, there are programs that can spend gazillions of dollars getting players. We have to do it a different way. It's going to take us a little bit longer but we're taking the proper steps, and if I would have told you in July we'd be six and four and down six nothing in the fourth quarter at Iowa, the program's in the right direction. But people are unhappy because they lost at Iowa. They expected to win, and everybody's perception is different, and people are angry. My point is, you've been around this sports game a long time. What has happened to us? And do you think it's always been like this, or is the presence of social media made it far worse now than what it was then? Uh, I agree with the second point that it's the so it's not just the social media, but it's all what that means. Just the technology and the instantaneous nature of many things. You were saying the other day off air, you ordered something from Amazon in the morning and it was there in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, immediate. And that kind of immediacy is something that we have we are growing very accustomed to. We have no patience. No. So it's natural that that then translates into everything else in our lives. But where do you think the... So like when your kids are playing, not yours, but when when kids are playing Little League, everything is, uh, unless you've got the lunatic parents, it's mostly positive. You want your kid to do well. If he doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, we'll work on it. All good. Don't worry about it. Forget it. You get to high school... As a, I think as a parent and even parents in the crowd, you start to get a little bit more of the, oh, 
Can't believe he missed that ball, but uh, whatever. It's, it's there. He's 16 years old. Not a big deal. It seems like when you get to college now, we look at them as pros, and then when they get to the professional level, uh, we treat these guys like they're complete garbage. Mm-hmm. When in fact they have skills beyond our wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And even like Al said the other day, like even the 52nd guy on an NFL roster was an elite level player in college. Sure. And yet we look at them as like they're trash. Mm-hmm. And I guess I don't know. It's like where, where do we cross over to where it's I don't know. I'm not. It it seems so vile as sport. We've become just awful as sports fans. Yeah, more and, than ever. And in many ways, awful as people. All that's well, but that's gone on for centuries. Well, well, yeah. As long as people have been people, right? We've been killing each other even before we were technically humans, Homo sapiens. We were killing each other, yeah, and killing other things. Just the way of life. But, it really is something. Yeah. And, and the the kids in the in the little leagues, you know, everybody plays. But when you get to high school, then... If oh, you, it's dialed back, sure. You have to make the team. Oh, yeah. And then in college now, they're being paid. Yeah. And they have to make the team. And that's an interesting point, too, because now, if you think about it, you just sparked a thought, it used to be if you were good enough to get to college, you needed to play so that you could be seen to maybe get to the next level and earn a paycheck mm-hmm. playing a game. You know, it's interesting what, what you just brought up because now in high school, you could look to college as a way to get paid. Sure. If you think you're good, doesn't mean you're going to be a pro. No. But if you think you're good enough to play at that level, you could look to college as a way to legitimately get paid for four years. Right. But it also depends on where you go. You're still talking about the elite level. Oh, for sure. I mean, somebody who's playing at Western Michigan as an offensive lineman is not going to be making any money. No. But if they're an offensive lineman at Alabama, they're making money. Correct. And there are players even at the likes of Alabama and Michigan and Georgia and all these big programs where kids will be paid and they're never sniffing the NFL. Of course, yes. But they will get paid yeah. and they can make significant money playing college athletics. Right, and not only will they get paid, they'll also have a free education. Right, which drives me nuts that we forget about that. Mm-hmm. Like which, To me, they've always been paid. Yeah, and at a school, well, I mean, you know better than I what the cost of college tuition at a good school is. Yeah. I mean, it's tens of, wait, over the course of the four years, hundreds of thousands? Correct. Correct. You'd be looking at for, if you're talking about a school where a kid goes room and board, tuition, fees, Out of books, state. everything. Well, let's just say, let's take the state school off the table for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about out of state or a private place. You know, we're not talking about an in-state school. Boston College. Fair enough. So let's say my son wants to go to Boston College. I don't know this off the top of my head, but my guess is going to be, and I can look it up quick enough, my guess is going to be for room and board tuition and everything is going to be roughly 60000 a year, mm-hmm. which means if he gets it done in four years, that's a quarter of a million dollars in education. I mean, what are we talking? What are we doing? Right. And when you, you know, uh, factor in, you know, it's easily a quarter million because then you're factoring travel back and forth, coming home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever. It's going to be quarter million dollars. And I was wrong. I, I apologize for that. I was wrong in what I said. It is not $60,000 for tuition, room, and board, adding everything up, it looks like it is $66,000. So we're over I mean, a quarter. And that's not Harvard. Right. And not the Boston College. It's isn't. a very good school. Absolutely. It's, it's it, like a cut below. 
but I mean, right there. It's unbelievable. It I'm pulling up. I want to see what Harvard is in terms of tuition. So tuition only at Harvard is $55,000 this year. Tuition only. But that's two semesters. It's so. the academic year. Yeah. Yeah. Then they charge for health services, your housing rate, and whatever student services are, and then there's some other fee here. It totals $80,000 a year. And, oh, by the way, you're living in Boston, which is an expensive city. Yeah. Now, I would say if my son was smart enough or interested enough to be a doctor or an attorney or a some sort of a field that if you have a Harvard degree, he's going to come out and might make two fifty a year, Mm -hmm. worth it. If you're going to go to Harvard, though, to study journalism, go F yourself. Right. Not a chance. No. But that's eighty. That's $320,000 right. for college. So, And that's an extreme example. But the Boston College one's a good one. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And these guys that play, they stay for free. They eat for free. They travel fantastically. Oh, by the way, usually there's a summer trip abroad. Um, and at the end of the four years, they have a real degree. That, to me, is getting paid. Mm-hmm. I love that they can make more. I think the numbers are a little absurd. Uh, good for them if they can make more money on their name with the jerseys and the tee. All of that is fabulous, but it's gotten out of hand. It's completely gotten out of hand. And you would know better, just a little uh, diversion with the Ivies, you would know better than I. There are no uh, athletic scholarships. No. Are the members of the basketball and football teams, the quote-unquote money makers, are they usually given some sort of an academic I, I don't know. Or it doesn't, or it depends. One, I don't know. Two, those programs are not money makers in the Ivy League. Right. That is not Michigan bringing in 110,000 people True. five times a year. That is not um, Kentucky selling out their basketball arena. Right. Or Duke. Yeah, they um, don't sell out. No, I mean, even Rutgers sells out all their basketball games. So yes. I do think the basketball program at Rutgers is a money maker. I mm-hmm. think the football program. Um, if it's not a money maker, it's close enough to being one. There's no other sport that makes money. That's mm-hmm. the con- again. That's the thing that everyone wants to go to about these athletic programs and how much money they make. They're they they don't. They lose so much. My former partner used to be an athletic director before he passed away. He was with me, but he was at uh, Loyola of Maryland for years and years as the AD, and he would tell me the red ink at the end of the year, looking at the budget because. And this is not a woman-man thing, as I've always said with Al. The baseball team loses a fortune. The women's soccer team loses a fortune because they still got to travel. You still got to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's no fans at these games. Right. And unless the school has big-time football. Correct. Not, or big-time basketball. Or either. Right. You need one or the other. Women's basketball does not draw unless you're at Iowa. Or UConn. Correct. There are a select few. Stanford, South Carolina. There, yeah, there's a, but I, I guarantee you though, even as you start growing down the top 20, Correct. those numbers start to fade, fade, Correct. fade Correct. to where they're hemorrhaging money. Mm-hmm. But you still make the choice to have the sports and let the student athletes play because if it's only going to be about money generating sports, guess what? They're all gone. There right. are no sports anymore. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be. And at some point, I would, I would guess we'll reach a breaking point for Perhaps. a lot of the college athletes. I, w- I would think. Well, it'll reach a breaking point when the networks stop paying the schools well, as much money as they are. Right. That would be, I think, the answer to that. And a school like Rutgers, a school like Maryland, they could, because they have wealthy alumni, and if the 
tradition starts getting built, like everybody cares about it and you really want to support it and have these wealthy alums give money, that's, you know, but that takes a, a, a change in mentality for a school like Rutgers, a school like Northwestern and Maryland. And the other school, the larger schools, Michigan and Alabama and in the South, and it's not only the alums, but it's the community. Oh, yeah, because it's paying, like professional sports to them. Paying and supporting. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just the alums. Where in New Jersey, I don't think the, I mean, the local businesses might get involved a little, but it's not like, it's not their whole life it's like different. it is in We've got 13 professional sports here. Oh, right. Sports teams. Real quick, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Mm-hmm. Um the thing about the Rutgers issue that to me sucks is that the 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 playing field had just been leveled finally. Yes, it seemed like you know kids would go specifically talking about basketball. The bigger programs would have kids for a year or two and they were gone, and it really hurt their continuity. And now teams like Rutgers, who had to build the program, and you'd hope you keep a kid for four years, and by the time those kids were juniors and seniors, and you saw the turnaround, I mean mm-hmm. NCAA tournament team. Um, the playing field was level, and Rutgers, through their big donors, built unbelievable facilities and really was a game changer. And now you've got all these bigger recruits that want to come there. And just as that happened, NIL started, and now it's going to be hard to keep kids because programs like Kentucky and Duke and plays those blue blood schools are going to start to poach. And Indiana is going to pay more. Right. Whereas Rutgers just got all this money from the donors. Now you're going to go back to them for how much more now to pay the kids? Mm-hmm. Although I will say it's – there's how many kids are on the uh, college basketball 16. roster? Okay. So it's less than football. Oh, for sure. And the NIL will allow – instead of having a, a, a kid who is very good and could start for many other teams, instead of having him sit behind a, a five-star and he's a four-star – he now can go play for a Rutgers. Oh, absolutely. Which, which helps even out a little bit the here would, NIL. Here would be the issue, though. Trace Jackson Davis, who's now in the NBA, was at Indiana. By all accounts, he was being paid almost a million dollars to play mm-hmm. at Indiana. I don't know this. My guess is Rutgers doesn't have a million dollars. I mean, Greg Schiano said it yesterday. We don't have that kind of money to pay Correct, kids. Right. So if... Like someone called in during the warm-up show about Ace Bailey. That how did the, how did Rutgers mm-hmm. get Ace yes. Bailey? I think he's the the third highest uh, ranked player in the country that Rutgers landed. And the question I would have is, how are you going to keep him now? Mm-hmm. Like Steve Peichel's phenomenal, and the fact that he got him to me is amazing. Um, he the program's great. He's a great coach. It's a family atmosphere there. But at the end of the day, is Ace Bailey going to be happy? making X if another program after one year comes and says, man, you're pretty good. We'll give you 10 times what you're getting. Yep. I, I know Steve Peichel. My guess is he would tell a kid like that, you got to take you it. Gotta, you got to And that it. sucks. It does. And you're at the point now where for a Rutgers, Northwestern, Maryland, maybe every couple of years you'll have enough yes. three or four stars and a great coach you're right. where you can compete well, and that's that year only. And that's where Rutgers has built it because they're co- he is such a good coach and the program is in a good place that they will compete. The question is, can they sell top talent on staying? I hope mm-hmm. they can. I think they can. But I also wouldn't be surprised if these other schools come knocking behind closed doors. Right. And even though we're near New York City, the you know, world capital, 
uh, it's Rutgers is so far down the list because of all what you know the all the professional teams in the area. It just doesn't cut through. Correct. So, well, to a certain extent, during tournament time, it does for sure, which is fun. But that's another issue about us as a, I don't even know what we are as a station anymore. So mm-hmm. that's another issue. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Um, so how about this story? Friends till the end, loyal dog found alive be- beside hiker owner's body two months after he vanished. Mm. I only bring this up because we love our animals. We love our pets. This to me is amazing from the standpoint of that's a dog that by all accounts had to go fend for itself, feed on whatever it could find. And instead of basically trying to survive on its own, went back to its owner every day. Mm-hmm. Even though the owner, I don't even know. I can't even imagine what the person looked like two months after. I, I, I imagine the guy's, he said owner's body, so he had yeah. to have been dead. Yes. What could that have possibly looked like after eight yeah. weeks? And that's that's the the connection between dogs and humans. It's uh, amazing, and it's so much deeper than any other animal connection. I love cats. I've had cats. Yeah. But, and this has been proven. Yeah. I don't by, talk. Don't talk to me about the cat eating the people again. Right. Well, I don't want to hear that. Won't. Yeah, no, but, good. I but, don't want to hear about my cat eating me. But that's the difference. There's such a connection between dogs and people. You know, it's been going on minimum 25,000 years of sort of co-evolution, cohabitation, and partnerships that it's a really an amazing thing. It's very, it's sad and tragic, but that's remarkable and shows the bond between dogs and people. 25,000 years. Think about that. Yeah. And we're like in year... With our calendar, 2023, which means we've been walking this earth for a long time. Yeah. My uh-huh. Lord. Yeah. And I mean, Christ our... didn't come around until zero, uh, theoretically. Yes, yeah. Like the man. Around, around that time. Around that time. And we look at that, why? Because that's when there was documentation. Is that why we look at that time? Well, the the Romans, once they adopted Christianity as Mm -hmm. their state religion, and they were the world power at the time, and the whole Greco-Roman calendar, the Julian calendar, I guess it is more precisely, they tried to fix a date, you know, A.D., Apre Domini, after God. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not for after death? No. It's Latin for, I think, something domini. So B.C. is not before Christ, and A.D. is is not after death. No, before Christ is B.C., yes. But that's now that's sort of not, I don't know if it's not P.C. or not scientific, whatever. Okay. They say now B.C.E., before the common era. Now, why don't they just say B.C. BC instead of B.C.? I don't know. We all know what we're talking about. Right, right, right. But the actual date of Christ's birth, they're not now 100% sure if it was, you know, at that year zero or if it was a little before. That was like maybe about 4, eight, uh, before, four BC or whatever. But, yeah. How about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we could start a calendar right now. 
Uh, sure, you could. We could yeah. start the year zero. Start sure. over. <laughs> and listen, if there's some Holocaust or some uh, visitation by an advanced alien race, which takes us to the next level, by the way, that could then be re- realized as year zero. It could be. Or if we get one of these generation ships, you know, to go. Uh, um, in light speed? What's that? In light speed to go check another planet? No, no. Well, yeah, even at light speed. You're talking about just or, or really things that would be journeying in, in space for hundreds or thousands of years to get to another planet where you're going to have people live, be born in generations. Let's call it a generation ship. You know, they would start their year, probably a calendar, when they left Earth. You As know. space humans. E- yes. Where they live their life in space. In a gigantic ship. And they continue to churn out new generations. Right, because... Until they get to a new planet, because it could, could be hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah, because... That sounds like a trip I wouldn't want to go on. Well, but, you know, if the Earth becomes inhabitable or something, but... You know, we got to get to that point of developing that technology before we get destroyed, ruin ourselves by war or, you know, just environmental catastrophe or what have you. You know, if we want to the species to continue, we have to get out there and start spreading the seed, if you will, before (laughs) it's too late. Why don't you be the first space seed (laughs) spewer? Yeah. Um, a little too old, probably. But it still works. Yeah, cloning. Robert the whole De Niro thing. just had a kid. Good point. Good Dude, point. Your 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 seat is fine. I'm sure. Right. And then cloning and all that stuff is fine. My lord. Uh, last one for you. Mm-hmm. So, and ironically enough, since you kind of, I didn't even mean to go into this topic until this. But explain to me the Hubble telescope. From the standpoint of I see telescope, I think some guy's in an apartment building looking through a telescope. Mm-hmm. What exactly is it, and how can they well, now? The Hubble was like the in the nineties, and there was a problem. All right, so there's the, a new one now. The James Webb is probably okay. the one you're thinking about. That is now seeing planets that are I don't know how far away, but somehow they're picking up planets that are Earth-like. How? Mm-hmm. Like where is this thing? Okay, it's in orbit. It's where? It's in orbit. It's out. Okay. It, it's it's out in space, and it, we can communicate. What kind of Wi-Fi do we have out there? It, it radio waves. Radio. So the radio waves can transmit images. Yes, sure. Television, you know, broadcast signals from it, space. Yes. Fascinating. I mean, I mean, heck, we talked to the guys on the moon. If you believe the moon landing was real, you know, we talked to them, and there was yeah, a slight delay. There just seems something so nuts about being able to take somehow get images that are, as you pointed out, could be hundreds of thousands of years away by travel, mm-hmm. and yet it can see or pick up these images? I, yeah, well, it, you know, when it's looking at distant things, it's looking into the past. So, you know, it's looking, if it's, you know, 2,000 light years away, that image is 2,000 years old because it took the light that long. To travel to it. Yeah, and light is the fastest thing, you know, we know. Nothing can travel faster than light unless you get into quantum entanglement and spooky action at a distance, which I had you asked uh, yes, NGT I, about. I do remember. Um, you know, that means no matter where, if two particles are linked, they could be in another galaxy, which is, you know, billions of light years away. And if you change one here, its partner, however far away, will also change. 
So you can have instantaneous communications across incredibly vast differences. You ever think sometimes none of this is real? Yeah. Like nothing what we're doing right now is real. Yeah. Yeah, it's all a computer program. That's you know, one theory, and it's, yeah, it is. But so as far as we know, the speed of light is, is the speed limit, but except then you get into the quantum entanglement and that whole thing. But that's, I, I don't, I can understand on the very, very surface, but I can't even scratch my fingernail below that. Have you ever thought to take a class to learn more about it? I, I don't, uh, just for, for the layman, for sure. For you. Yeah. yeah. But not like to actually understand it, I don't have the math. Really? Like, yeah. My brain, like there's certain, I mean, maybe I, I haven't tried really since college to really fathom calculus beyond the very basic level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's a whole nother level of, of math and understanding, which I don't think I'm capable of. It's funny you brought up calculus, last thought. So during the warm-up show, which is coming up in just a moment, um, I in the third segment, I think, I was talking about songs that brought me back to a specific yes. point in time in my life. And the fact that I heard the three of them in a row this morning really made me, I don't know, it just was weird. But they all had such a strong trigger. Oh, my you. God. It was, and it's not even the song as much as it's those those first 10 seconds of mm-hmm. the song. And it just, as you're you right, say. You're right there where you were. Yes. And I remember being in the car with Alcatraz and the Don Henley song. And I remember the look on my friend's face when I spilled the tobacco spit on him. Like all those things. But you mentioned calculus. And I remember my first day at Jersey City State College. Um, after the whole thing that happened at Uppsala, whatever. And I signed up for five classes, and everything was fine. And I remember walking in, I took Calc 2, I think, because I had taken Calculus 1 at Uppsala. I got by, not great. And I don't even know why I signed up for Calculus 2, because I wasn't very good at, at it. And I walked into the class, and I looked up at the board, and I didn't know what I was looking at. And I walked up to the professor, and I just said, Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm in your class. I'm just, is this what we're working on? And he goes... Well, that's the beginning. He goes, that's what we're going to do today. He goes, but we're far beyond that by next week. Huh. And I remember saying, sir, it's nice to meet you. I went right back to my guidance counselor, dropped the class. Yeah. I, there was, I, I didn't know. He, he called it just a quick review before we get to the new stuff. I didn't know what I was looking at on the board. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how some people are so good with it and can pick up on it and can understand it. And someone like myself who can do math in my head better than I can write it out. Right. But calculus? Yeah. It's not a, a clue. It's a, it's a jump oh, from arithmetic. It's sure. crazy. Yeah. Really is. So. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. All righty. Uh, we do have the warm-up show coming up next. I'd like you to check it out. I mean, listen, kind of boring because it was me solo. Uh, and there was no yeah. Al. But, but we did four calls. We did four calls, which I enjoy. Yeah. I think that's kind of fun. Um, so that's coming up next. Al will be back tomorrow, but the warm up show is right now. You do the end for me, and we'll see you tomorrow. Sure.